from Transport Topics in Washington, D.C. This is Road Signs. And now here's your host, Michael Fries. Thank you for listening to Road Signs, the podcast series from Transport Topics that explores the trends and technologies that are shaping the future of trucking. In this episode, we'll set out to answer the following question. How are state governments handling regulatory issues so far in 2021? As we wait for action from the current administration and Congress on national infrastructure, there have been plenty of action on the state level. 2021 has been filled with plenty of state legislation concerning the trucking industry. Fortunately, we have our Transport Topics government team to provide us a bit of detail. We'll take a closer look at state action with reporter Eleanor Lamb, but first, let's talk tort reform with reporter Eric Miller. Welcome to the show, Eric. Thank you. Good to be here. Glad to have you on. One of the things that I wanted to talk about with you, and through your reporting, of course, is stage accidents. You know, in your reporting, you have talked about lawsuit abuse legislation and what the states and trucking organizations are doing. But before we kind of get into all of that, can you just explain to us the, the whole process of stage accidents and what these perpetrators are doing and what the goal is for them? Sure. This has been going on for some time, and it for some reason, I haven't been able to figure out why it's centered in Louisiana. I guess some of the, the courts there uh, make these lawsuits easy to uh, process. Um, basically, what's been happening is um, people who have plans to sideswipe truck, big trucks, tractor trailers, um, are they lie in wait for the truck to come by, they sideswipe it, and then somebody will, will run down the truck and say, hey, you just hit this car, you know, you should, you should come back and deal with this. Uh, you were at fault. Um, and so what happens is these, the whole idea of these people, they'll have maybe three, four people in a, in the car. All of them then will claim that they're injured from this accident. What they'll do is they work with an attorney and the attorney will file lawsuits against the trucking companies for, um, for slamming into them when actually the trucker was not at fault. And what's odd about this whole process is that there's been a lot of settlements on these cases, uh, you know, in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. And there have been more than 100 of these accidents since about 2015 or so. Um, and we had a recent development last week where five more individuals had pleaded guilty to staging two accidents um, and this brings the number of people either in, under indictment or pleading to 38 individuals. So it's been a, uh, something that's been going on for quite a long time uh, and uh, been an ongoing investigation by the FBI, the Louisiana State Police, and the New Orleans Crime Commission. Um, and in fact, the legislature just recently in Louisiana uh, made it also a state law uh, to process these things as crimes in the state. So you have a double whammy, both the feds and the state people can can file indictments on people who are doing this. One of the things you were just explaining, just kind of the, the, the how and why of all of this and what's being done about it. I guess we're going to talk about what's going to be done about it. But, you know, through your reporting, of course, there have been a lot of actions by state lawmakers, specifically in Texas, that you've you've recently written about. Uh, what are some of the things that they're doing to, to curb this activity and to to punish these perpetrators? Yeah, Texas is a pretty interesting place. They had a, they had quite a few wins um, uh, in their state uh, 
in the laws they've been trying to pass through uh, their state legislature. Now this uh, this is uh, uh, the result of an uh, 18-month campaign so far by American trucking associations to get their state trucking associations involved in uh, gaining laws, uh, getting them passed that will help mitigate some of these huge lawsuits that have been resulting from plaintiff's attorneys who are very skillful at getting juries angry uh, and uh, issuing large jury verdicts. Um, this kind of follows a study back in uh, last year in the summer where the uh, ATRI, the American Transportation Research Institute, uh, did an analysis. And what they found that uh, was that in the past five years, there were nearly 300 court cases that resulted in jury verdicts over $1 million against truckers in accidents. Uh, many times the truckers are at fault in these accidents, but these jury verdicts are really outlandish and have been causing huge problems. They also can result in getting your insurance rates hiked. Once you get into an accident and have a big jury verdict against you, um, you uh, your insurance will go up in, in large measures, actually. Um, so this has been going on probably for 10 years. And kind of at the heart of this is... Uh, a theory that um, plaintiffs' attorneys use against trucking companies. It's called the, the reptile theory. And basically what they do is when they uh, sue a trucking company for an accident, what they don't just talk about what happened in the accident. They actually investigate the trucking company for things like their policies on safety, how they train their drivers, and when, when they use this, they try to uh, portray truckers as bad people who don't care about safety. Um, their, their aim is to get juries to fear for their own lives and to say, wow, we don't want a bad operator like this on the road, when, when actually a company may be pretty safe, and I think most truckers are safe, pretty much a priority in the trucking industry. But... They skillfully get juries angry and they'll issue large verdicts to, to punish trucking companies, to punish the whole industry. So it's a, it's a pretty big problem in the industry. And it's, it's caused insurance rates to go up huge. So what's happened is ATA is trying to get their state trucking associations to work within legislatures to get legislation that would mitigate some of these problems they have some of the ground rules and trials and such. From time to time, an issue commands so much of the industry's attention that it requires a deeper dive, a resource readers can turn to, a transport topic special report. We're turning our attention to another big issue, electrification and the key factors that will drive this industry trend. In every case, we're working to provide our readers with information, analysis, and clarity on key issues confronting fleets. One comprehensive resource packed with insights that can give you the edge. Transport Topics invites you to learn more about our special reports. To reserve your copy of the latest special report, visit ttn.ws forward slash electrification. Welcome back to Road Signs. I'm your co-host, Michael Fries. Did you know when I'm not hosting Road Signs, I'm actually in charge of writing the Transport Topics Equipment and Maintenance Update? 
Soon, the Transport Topics Equipment and Maintenance Update, or EMU as we like to call it, will be going through some changes, and we want to invite input from listeners like you. And while the knowledge and expertise will stay the same, we want to pull it from the pages of the weekly edition and make it a standalone resource for fleet maintenance experts like you. So we're wondering, how can we build the best resource for you? To share your insight, complete the survey at ttn.ws slash equipment zero one. That's ttn.ws slash equipment zero one. You know, nuclear verdicts are a big problem, as you just stated, you know, Atri, with the concern survey that they had just released, uh, I believe, in October, uh, you know, tort reform and and these uh Lawsuit abuses are one of the top concerns with with those in the trucking industry. And as you had mentioned too, you know, with ATA, you know, Chris Spear has been very outspoken about uh, these nuclear verdicts and these litigators who are taking advantage of these laws and just kind of the boundaries that they are allowed to perform in. So, um, and you had mentioned that ATA, a- along with other state organizations, are well, have been lobbying state lawmakers to correct this particular problem. And in your reporting, you had you explained some of the things that, that are being done about that. Can you elaborate that on a little bit? Yeah, I mean, uh, Texas Trucking Association is a good example of uh, being pretty effective in their lobbying. Um, and it's not easy. Uh, John Esparza, who's the president of the Texas Trucking Association, um, said getting bills passed is a pretty complex endeavor Number one, you uh, you have to have good timing. Sometimes issues consume a legislature. They only meet uh, maybe for two, three, four months every year. Some of them meet every two years. So your your window is actually limited. But he likened uh, trying to get legislation done uh, to uh, a giant game of chess played on the ceiling. Um, he said he's even lost... Um, legislation on things that were simple just because they may have run into timing problems. The legislature has to get done and go home. Um, But it's been going on for maybe 18 months that ATA has been waging this war. And in Texas, uh, they've done some really interesting things. Uh, Anything from as simple as um, there's in often in many states, there is laws that don't allow say, a trucking company to introduce into evidence the fact that the guy in the car who got injured wasn't wearing his seatbelt. Um, in Texas, they got a law just passed uh, recently uh, that was uh, would allow these things into uh, evidence. Um, then, And also, there's been restrictions on, say, getting uh, videos into evidence. Many trucking companies have videos on their trucks just for this purpose to monitor their drivers and to see what happens when there's an accident. They uh, just uh, are now allowed to introduce into evidence a video that may show, say, we got this, it wasn't our fault. This person that testified may have said he was a witness and saw it happen, but here's a video that proves that it's not our fault. And in Texas, they also got a, a bill passed. This was all in one bill. It was called House Bill 19. Interestingly enough, it passed uh, 100 to 0 in the House, in the Texas House, and 31 to 0 in the Texas Senate. Um, they uh, set up a law. In this law, it had a provision that um, would, would 
allow truckers to bifurcate a trial, um, to divide it in two. And the first phase would be to determine who is at fault. And then the second phase would um, have discussions and evidence regarding how much of a penalty should be assessed by a jury, say, against a trucking company. And it has a potential to really reduce the size of some of these verdicts. Uh, so they've been really busy in Texas, and they've had some incredible successes, uh, perhaps leading the pack uh, of among maybe eight or ten uh, trucking associations who have been working hard to get bills passed, some successful, some not. You, know, you had mentioned this seatbelt law, which I think it was referred to as the seatbelt gag rule. The phrase that I'm, that I'm hearing just in reading about this is just the common sense. And for, for someone looking outside into this problem, you would think that it would be a slam dunk to get this legislation passed since you would think something such as simple as a seatbelt rule would be handled very easily. And I mean, you were just explaining with, with the sausage being made uh, and, you know, the progress is, is, is moving, you know, uh, uh, albeit slowly, but there's still progress being made, you know, and, you know, it being the summer right now in the state houses, uh, most of the sessions around the country are wrapping up. Uh, where do you see this, this heading? I mean, is this the, the path of correcting a simple problem in the complex arena of tort reform, or will there be some other hurdles to, to cross to really get this problem of lawsuit abuse handled? Yeah, well, American Trucking Associations has, and, and Chris Spear have said that this is going to be a marathon, not a rate, you know, not a sprint. And one of the problems you face in any state legislature, in, in Congress also, is the fact that many legislators are also attorneys. Uh, they probably compromise the, the majority of many legislatures. Um, and, you know, they have connections with the Trial Lawyer, Lawyers Association. Uh, and so they will uh, listen to the trial lawyers sometimes, and uh, depending on the issue. But so you have to convince lawyers uh, in the legislature that these laws are just and won't really uh, disallow a person who is injured, say, in an accident, to seek damages. Um, they want to be fair. Some of them have buddies. Uh, and you always see the trial lawyers in each state, well, they'll work hard against uh, passage of these kind of bills. And in Texas, they, they didn't like this bill, but they, uh, they did uh, do some amendments that would make it a little uh, less difficult uh, for plaintiff's attorneys. But this is a, a, an ongoing fight, and ATA has decided this is one that has to be waged in the states um, because a lot of these things are state laws. There are no federal laws. They, they uh, differ in each state. Uh, and Chris Beer has also pointed out that in, right now in, in Congress, uh, you have a Democratic president, a Democratic uh, a house, uh, and that um, Republicans who would, would generally side tend to side more with trucking companies in, in a lot of these disputes. It's going to be difficult to get it through Congress. Plus, you have a very strong uh, Washington, D.C. trial law, lawyers uh, group that uh, Spear called an 800-pound gorilla 
that would be really tough to fight in D.C. because they've got lots of connections. They've been around for a long time and uh, they'll fight anything uh, resembling the types of issues that ATA is pursuing. With that analogy of the 800 pound gorilla, it's more like an 800 pound gorilla sitting on the chest of lawmakers and getting the um, problem solved is going to be a a long haul, you know, for sure. Eric, I just want to thank you for making us smarter. Thanks for being on. Thanks. It was my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. In times like these, it's crucial to stay informed. Transport Topics is offering all the information you need to make business decisions in these unprecedented times. And in the wake of the many event cancellations and group gatherings, TT ensures a virtual way to consume business content and conversation. To join the conversation and stay ahead of the news, follow Transport Topics on all social outlets or by visiting ttn.ws forward slash stay informed. We just spoke with Transport Topics reporter Eric Miller about lawsuit abuse and the state legislation to curb it. Now let's learn more about the regulatory action that's going on around the country with Transport Topics reporter Eleanor Lamb. Welcome back to Road Signs, Eleanor. Good to be with you, Michael. One of the things earlier in the program that I spoke to Eric Miller about was the, the seatbelt gag rule. And we kind of touched upon that slightly in our, in our conversation. But through your reporting, you had written about the work of the West Virginia State House legislation and what they were doing about that particular rule. Could you elaborate more on that? Sure. Yeah, this issue has come up in West Virginia Uh, Not too long ago, uh, in April, early April, the West Virginia legislature passed a bill to allow the use or non-use of seatbelts as admissible evidence in civil actions. And this is a legislative step that the trucking industry has applauded. Now, uh, specifically, this legislation establishes the admissibility of evidence related to seatbelt use with regard to a claimant's damages. And uh, as I mentioned, Mike, you know, this is, a, this is a step that the trucking industry has praised in the ongoing effort to curb lawsuit abuse. As you know, American Trucking Association's President Chris Spear has identified reforming the industry's litigation environment as a top goal, uh, you know, during, during his time, especially over the last year and a half or so, I'd say. So this is uh, this seatbelt gag rule uh, legislation was a, a positive step on that front. Well, it seems that the seatbelt gag rule seems to be a, a not so much a heavy lift for state legislatures. What are some of the other things that, that states are doing? I know West Virginia and a lot of other states are working hard to um, you know, to, to combat tort reform. What, what are some of the things that the other states are doing in, in your reporting? Yeah, that's true, Mike. You know, uh, some states have, have passed legislation that, that the trucking industry has praised on this front. Uh, one example, pretty recently in uh, May, Montana Governor Greg Gianforte signed a bill revising civil liability laws related to damages in lawsuits. So specifically, this legislation deals with inflated bill amounts, which are known as phantom damages. And similar to that West Virginia gag rule bill, uh, the American Trucking Associations praised this legislative action as part of the ongoing effort 
to curb lawsuit abuse. Uh, in this, you know, basically it's a bill noting that every person who suffers detriment from uh, the unlawful act or omission of another may recover from the person at fault a compensation in money, which is known as damages. And this bill basically outlines the measure of the damages recoverable from the person at fault for the reasonable value of medical services or treatment in legal actions arising from bodily injury or death. So the, the goal here is to get away from that, uh, you know, those inflated bills, uh, inflated medical bills. Uh, and that, like I said, those are known as phantom damages. This was a big issue for the trucking industry. As you were mentioning, Eleanor, along with Eric, tort reform is, is a big issue, along with many other issues. And having the pandemic on top of all of these these pressing issues, uh, this has been a, a pretty much a complicated year, you know, 2020 and even 2021 in that regard. The last time we spoke, we were talking about state revenue and how that was kind of taking a hit during the pandemic since there wasn't really passenger traffic since no one was traveling, everyone was staying at home. But now it's 2021, uh, we're having uh, restrictions lifted, and the state DOTs are um, are happy about uh, things turning the corner. Uh, can you uh, elaborate more on that through your reporting? Sure, yeah. You know, when, when we chatted last time, uh, I discussed a story that I had written about what the effect of the pandemic had been on state transportation revenue. And as you know, State transportation revenue depends on primarily gas tax and diesel tax revenue. And this, you know, makes a lot of sense when you think about it. But in April 2020, when we saw the most dismal lows in traffic levels, when everyone was staying home, everything was shut down, gas tax revenue plummeted because people weren't filling up the pump, people weren't driving, and that had a negative effect on state DOT revenue. And at the same time, last April 2020, uh, trucking had remained pretty much steady. It dipped a teensy bit, but it recovered pretty quickly, and it had pretty much held steady because truckers, unlike a lot of people, unlike you or me, did not have the luxury of staying home. So as part of a, you know, shall we say a one-year-out type of story, approximately one year after I wrote that story, I checked in again. I reached out to state DOTs that I talked with the first the first go around, and I basically said, how's it going? How are your traffic levels doing? And how's your revenue doing? And the trend that those states revealed to me was that recovery is on a slow but positive trajectory. People are no longer completely shut down. They are hitting the roads again. Uh, passenger vehicle traffic is still down in a lot of states. It's still down across the board, but it was not nearly the lows that it was. You know, at, at its worst, it dropped between 40 and 55 percent in some states. Now, on average, it's down anywhere between 5, 8, and 12 percent. That, so that, that's passenger vehicle traffic. Truck traffic, similar to that, what was the story last spring, has remained pretty steady. Truckers are still providing stability in terms of pumping diesel tax revenue into state uh, coffers and uh, offering a little bit of uh, stability in terms of, of the revenue. So that's that has been the, uh, the story thus far looking at it from, uh, from a year out. And like I said, things are moving slowly, but they're in a positive direction. And, you know, this story was published March 2021. It is now 
you know, June 2021. And that's, I think that has even hastened more since then. I think even more people are out there on the roads. So states definitely took a hit financially. States have a lot of recovery to do. But I believe in terms of COVID-19 traffic dips, I believe the worst is, is long behind us. Well, let's keep the good news going. As you were saying, as things are getting better, you know, people are getting vaccinated, restrictions are getting lifted. You know, there has been some work from our neighbors up north. Uh, north Dakotians and Canadians have been uh, collaborating together for vaccination help. Uh, could you uh, speak more uh, upon that? Sure. Yeah, this was uh, an initiative that was announced in uh, late April. Leaders from North Dakota and two Canadian provinces reached agreements to offer COVID-19 vaccinations to Canada-based truckers who cross the border to deliver goods. Now, it's no surprise that with our massive shared border with Canada, there are some truck drivers whose day-to-day operations are basically just crossing the border. Sometimes three or four times a day, all they do is go from Canada to the U.S. and, and back again. Uh, the, that is their runs. And these uh, programs made between North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum and then the leaders of the Canadian province of Manitoba and the province, or the province of Saskatchewan uh, have signed agreements to vaccinate essential workers who are transporting goods across the borders. And what really came down to is that North Dakota found that they had enough. They had enough vaccines and they not only did they have enough, but they had some extra. And in Canada, the vaccination cycle is a little bit behind the U.S. So people in Canada, especially those essential workers who travel across the border, needed to be vaccinated. So uh, what they did was they set up a North Dakota Department of Transportation rest area as a vaccination site. And truckers who regularly go from Canada to North Dakota as part of their normal routes were able to set up appointments and uh, get vaccinated at these sites. It was a you know good exercise in goodwill. And uh, again, it was helping out because uh, the Canadian provinces were lacking in the, uh, in the vaccines and North Dakota had more than it needed. Well, it's nice to at least in this conversation on the helpful nature of our governments and Canadian government and just government officials in general, since we're kind of lacking in that uh, cooperation of politicians per se. Eleanor, it was a pleasure having you on and thanks for making us smarter. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Did you know you can ask Alexa to open transport topics? In just one minute, you will hear the biggest trucking headlines of that day. Be prepared and start your morning off right with Transport Topics. Before we close, let's take a moment to revisit our original question. How are state governments handling regulatory issues so far in 2021? Although the spotlight is shining the brightest on national infrastructure, there's quite a bit of action on the state level. State houses, as well as industry associations, have been working to find solutions to the longstanding problems that have plagued the trucking space. One in particular, tort reform, has been a laggard issue for truck companies that have been entangled in staged accidents which place strain on legal and insurance costs. States have taken action to curb such heavy litigation, but as Eric and Eleanor pointed out, this is just a small piece of the puzzle. And speaking of state governments, tax revenue for their departments of transportation seem to be turning the corner. Although state coffers are still recovering from their down levels during the coronavirus pandemic, The DOTs are seeing an increase in passenger traffic, which is expected to grow as restrictions are lifted. There's surely progress, but still, all eyes are on Washington and for the impending infrastructure fireworks. Stay tuned. 
If you enjoyed this episode of Road Signs, please let others know. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If my questions have sparked questions of your own, share them with the Road Signs team or reach me on Twitter at Michael V. Freeze. You can email us at share at ttnews.com. We'll read them and respond daily. And of course, we'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of Road Signs. Until then, I'm Michael Freeze. Thank you for listening.